Welcome one, welcome all to Video Gameography, Game Informer's number one video game history podcast where we laugh and we learn. My name is Marcus Stewart. I'm joined by John Carson. I, I'm, I'm, I guess, learning right now. I guess. It sounded like you were laughing. I, who could tell anymore? It's, it's a complicated, it's a twist of both of those things that yeah, we've I, uh, mangled into this show. I used to do both. Like, I was a really good student in school, so you could always tell that I was absorbing the context. I would be dying at my desk hysterically, just like as we're talking about the Magna Carta. Oh, his sides are splitting. Too much stuff in there. Yeah, and they're like, is he turning into the Joker before our eyes? And it's like, no, 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 I'm just really into what you're uh, laying out there, Teach. Is that the Joker's thing? Like, he's just, he's learned so much that he's just hysterical? Yeah, he's big brain Joker, it turns out. He's got that galaxy brain, and it drove him insane. That's why he always gets, gets one over Batman. Mm. We figured it out here on Video mm. Gameography. Once again, solving all of uh, pop culture's greatest all mysteries. Gotham's crimes like no one else. <laughs> and we are joined on this episode by a, a very special guest, I believe, making your video gameography de- debut, our, our fellow associate editor, Game Informer, Jill Grote. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. This is my first time here, and I'm feeling very special. How's it nice? We set up the room for you. Yeah, we decorated uh, and everything. I, we it's, hope you like it. All yeah. the amenities. Uh, you only wanted one color of Skittle. Yeah, which is very wild. Important. The flowers were a nice touch. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, fruit baskets. We we treat our guests well here. It was a, what a DVD collection of fruits baskets. Is that is that what <laughs> what it was? That's a good. The show. ones with the like the little rock. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, nice. You know, not demanding at all. We appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And we are uh, here once again at yet another another conclusion of a season. Season five, we've talked about Supergiant Games. We talked about Pyre last week. We've covered Bastion Transistor. We have reached their fourth and final game. Maybe their best game. Oh, yeah. Final final (laughs) game ever, hopefully, but final game. We don't know. We have no idea. Marcus could have just destroyed the, everyone's wow, career over at Supergiant. Like, oh yeah, my gosh, but, you guys got to pack up. They, Marcus said we were done on video game auction, so I guess uh, close uh, we got to break up. Close <laughs> it down. Dangerous power we wield here. <laughs> we are talking about Hades, ladies and gentlemen. Supergiant Games Hades. I'm so excited to talk about this game. It's uh, one of my favorite games ever. It's my my favorite game of their catalog. Everything that we've talked about up to this point has built up to this in a way. And yeah, so, you know, stay tuned because since we are at the end of season five, we will be announcing the topic of season six at the conclusion of this episode, which will be a, a, a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, but first and foremost, before we really dive into Hades uh, in terms of the development history and all that good stuff, I want to know what your personal histories are with Hades. What do you think of this game? Jill, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I this game is actually really connected to me and sort of my time at Game Informer. So it's it's sort of special in that way because um, the sort of early access stuff started coming out 2018. That was my uh, internship at Game Informer year. Oh. Um, so yeah, I got to actually, I was covering for Game Informer the game awards where this sort of popped up and it was really fun and so i've had a really kind of 
interesting connection to this being sort of one of the games that are appearing as I'm starting my journey on a new uh, life uh, experience and doing wild things I never expected. And so uh, on top of that, Hades being kind of obviously by the name uh, about Greek mythology and concerning a lot of what happens there. And I also graduated uh, with a degree in classical studies. So I've always been really excited about anything uh, Greek myth or Roman myth. Uh, so I was absolutely in love with the idea of this game and I tore into it and had a total blast. And it's so wrapped up in a lot of amazing life things happening for me, but also the game itself just being really fun. Awesome. I didn't, I, I never, I was meant to ask when you, when you intern, I don't know if you, maybe you've told me before and I've, I have forgotten because I am an yeah, absolute. I'm one of the uh, last generation. Oh, the last rollings oh. of yeah. I think it was only they only did it for a few more months after that. Okay, because they couldn't follow you. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it was just like oh, none of these people oh. quite match up. You're the you're the Hades of interns. <laughs> uh, I suppose so. I'm sorry, everyone. And what about you, John? I know you're you're a relative newcomer to yeah. Hades. So Hades, like. I, I was a, a fan of what Supergiant had done. We've talked about this on, on other podcasts, but like Hades, when it dropped on the Epic Game Store, the Epic Game Store is like brand new, yeah. uh, which we'll also talk about. Like it, it had just released like a day before uh, this game dropped. And it was a cool way to test out both that platform and see what Supergiant was up to with their new game. Um, and I, I played a bit of Hades in that very early, early access uh, situation. And kind of stopped after that. Uh, and it like content kept on coming out. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it when when more stuff comes in. I know how these early access things work. Mm -hmm. um, they'll just keep adding stuff. I kind of want to play when it hits 1.0. 1.0 hits. Didn't touch it. <laughs> I, I don't know what was <laughs> what was happening at that point. It was what? 2020 didn't have any time to do anything while sitting at home uh doing nothing for whatever reason i i just never got back to it and uh so when we were doing research for this i ended up picking up a copy for switch because i was going on uh, a number of trips in a row and basically played the beginning of the game and didn't really get much further but i really do want to dive into this game more everything that i've read about it and watched about it it's gonna be right up my alley uh i just need to find that time to actually play more of it but uh i i think it's a really awesome game uh and i'm i'm intrigued in hearing more about this the story and the plot later um but i uh, yeah, I'm pretty much in the dark for some of the, some of that some of the greater uh, narrative arcs of this game. So, right? Did you um? Did you at least complete a single run? Have you done that? No. Okay. I mean, I've died and then like gone back to the underworld and like talked with Zeus and totally counts. Would, and yeah, <laughs> and then pet Cerberus. As well, you, you haven't uh, you haven't escaped? No. No. Oh, okay. Not how far that did good. you get? I'm, I'm good. Like, how far no, that you? that is literally it. Like like both oh, okay. times, I've kind of <laughs> done that same loop, and I'm like, all right, I'll play more of this tomorrow, and then just you're so close. I know. 
I just need, I need that hook. And I'm going to get that hook at some point, but yeah, sure. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear you. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it, I guess, in the coming weeks or however long you uh, keep up with yeah. it. Um, Hades for me, as we mentioned, obviously, throughout this entire series, I love Supergiant games. They have a they have a penchant of making my favorite game in their catalog with every game they make of like, man, Bastion's great. Man, I think I might like Transistor better. Man, Pyre might be my favorite one. <laughs> and now Hades is like undisputably like, no, this is, I think, it's not only my favorite game, but I think it, almost like weirdly objectively, I think it's the best game that they've ever made. I think it was my game of the year in 2020, mm-hmm. which was a, a fun discussion to have in the Game Informer at the time. You know, I was still relatively new there I mean, oh yeah that was your months that was your so, first one yeah my first game of the year discussion where it was uh you know last of us part two wanted which was fine you know i that was my second favorite game of the year so i wasn't complaining but i was staunchly in the uh the team 80s camp that year and we we had a few members we you know we weren't able to get the job done but we <laughs> we fought <laughs> as hard as we could to try to to make a case even though we kind of all knew that it was the the wind was blowing the other way <laughs> yeah. right um but yeah i i adore this game and it's my favorite it's my favorite roguelite it's uh one of my favorite just pure action games ever like it just does it does so many cool things with its roguelike structure that mm-hmm. other roguelikes don't do namely in terms of how it how it uh shapes its story around the 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 structure of the the repeating loops Mm-hmm. I think it's just so, well so it's one of those ideas that seems like when you see it, it's like, it seems almost obvious of like, how has no one ever thought to do this of like, yeah, yeah just introduce new lore bits with every run to keep mm-hmm. you going. But like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what you call it. Like, it's such a, it, it's so basic that you're like, how it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm flabbergasted. I guess I was flabbergasted in 2020. I remain so to this day. And it, yeah, we're so, you know, Let's let's talk about Hades. Let's unpack this game. There's a lot to talk about with this game's making and its story. Uh, so first and foremost, and this is maybe the part I was dreading the most about this episode, is that we're going to, as we always do, we're going to cast our minds back to the wonderful year of 2020, <laughs> which... Um, or do we do 2018? Like... Yeah, what what counts? Back, let's go back to you know, 18. I, yeah, I, you know, I would love to do 2018, but technically the game went 1.0. In okay, 2020. okay, that's okay, fair. Fine. That's fair. That's and, true. you know, everybody universally loves 2020. It's yeah. like best best year ever. Uh, <laughs> great memories of 2020. Yeah, you know, obviously, in case you were somehow born in 2021 and you're you have the conscious ability to listen and comprehend this podcast uh, 2020 was a, a terrible year it's kind of mm-hmm. uh, pretty much i think yes if you did a global poll i don't think anyone would be like hey yeah what a banner year 2020 it's like was. 2020 and like 50 33 like some of the worst mm-hmm. years ever you know i don't know if 50, 50 30, yeah like what happened then what kind of grudge do you have against like i'm thinking like if you're in the in the um bubonic plague era like things yeah. are not going well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're probably still relatively better off because we at least have running, you know, water. and, and Right. And, and uh, active scientists. And so 2020 has, you know, it's high up on the list, but perhaps not the highest. Let's keep in perspective here. But yeah. Hades did release. So that's, but Hades that's a, released. That's a yeah. plus. <laughs> and it's not the only game excuse me to come out in 2020 uh there was actually it was a pretty 
despite that being the year that uh, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic began and all the lockdowns and nonsense that uh, came with it, we still got a pretty strong year of releases. So this was the year, as we mentioned earlier, that The Last of Us Part Two came out. We also mm-hmm. got Animal Crossing New Horizons, which wound yeah, up yeah. being one of the other yeah. biggest games of the year. Uh, we've got Yakuza Like a Dragon, as oh, well good. as uh, Final Alan. Fantasy VII Remake. Ghost also good. Yeah, can I get a yeah, Ghost of Shushima? So bad. Yeah, mm. I mean, Astro's Playroom, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Genshin Impact was this year, as well as Call of Duty Warzone, big multiplayer games, and on the VR front, Half-Life Alex came out this year. <laughs> so, strong year. I remember yep. our top 10 discussion that year was a uh, a pretty, like, it, it wasn't easy to put together. There were some big, big games and and stuff that we had to consider, especially on the indie front. I mean, we got Ori and the Will of the Wisp that year, if you want to highlight another, like, really big, exceptional indie. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, through Hell or High Water, 2020 at least kept us entertained on the video game front. In terms of uh, movies that came out, of course, this was the year where the film industry was absolutely decimated. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there was, there was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. There was yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog, which I think was everyone's last theater movie before everything <laughs> shut down, uh-huh. <laughs> mine included. Um, we got the uh, Best Picture winner that of that year, which was Nomad Land, which I still have not seen. I still haven't either. It's like Chloe Zhao's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it looks cool. Uh, this mm. is where Christopher Nolan uh, finally released Tenet after much kicking and screaming. Uh, we got Onward as well as Soul from Pixar. Oh, okay. Uh, in terms of superhero stuff, we got Wonder Woman 1984 and Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. And we got uh, what I was kind of surprised to see, the highest grossing film of 2020. Do you guys, off Wait, the top of your head, can you guess I was going to say it was Sonic. Um, and this is globally, like globally the highest grossing film of this year. Oh, I would be shocked if you could guess it, but maybe, is it, John. Is it the Mel Gibson movie? No, uh, Mel Gibson movie. There's there's something where oh god what is it called? I don't. It might, it'd, be, it'd be amazing if Mel Gibson was in this movie. Eh. <laughs> Wait, give us a hint. Yeah, is it it's anime? anime? Is it, it is your anime. name? Is it? No, your name was 2016. This oh, is okay, okay. Demon Slayer the movie. Oh yeah, Mugen Whoa. Train. Yeah, Mugen Train. Sure. I'm really what? disappointed in you, John. I I you know what? Uh, Mugen Train or not Mugen Train, but uh, Demon Slayer is one of is one of those shows. Like Hades, that hasn't like hooked me <laughs> yet to watch like more than a couple episodes. The Hades so. of anime. They uh, I can watch a thousand episodes of One Piece, but uh, Demon Slayer can't touch it. Apparently, man, he's going hot and spicy. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, and you know, it's I... supposed to be really good. Like, there's parts that I really like about it, but what I like about Mugen Train is that it's an actual arc in the manga, so like you have to watch the movie to like continue forward in the show. Oh, like, 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 it, like it's, it's all canonical. So I, well, I think that's, that's awesome. And that almost never happens with, with yeah, anime. They're movies. like, don't watch episode 53 until you've seen that movie. Right. Exactly. Well, obviously it worked out because it was the highest grossing film of 2020. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the world agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in terms of news stories, obviously, I don't think we really need to touch on anything because it felt like it was the pandemic and everything else was just there around the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? This is where yeah. everything got canceled, whether it be E3, PAXs, Game Awards. Uh, yeah, it, it's the pandemic year. 
But there were still some other non-pandemic-ish related news stories, especially in terms of video games. Probably the biggest one is that this was the year that the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X launched. Yeah. On November doesn't 12th. feel like it. That's... No. Well, yeah, because they're both to this day are almost as hard to find now as they were <laughs> on November 12th. You, you can find video 10th. cards now, but not oh, really? gaming consoles, apparently. Nature is healing, it sounds like. Uh, but yeah, this is the year that the current generation of games began, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Oh, the it next was gen. weird at the time. Well, the but it's the weird next gen, which is now new, new gen or now yeah. gen. Because we still haven't quite let go of those old gen because we kind of can't yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was definitely one of the highlights of 2020 that I got both consoles on launch day. Same. Wow. Same. Okay. Wow. Flexing. I only got, I didn't get a launch day, but I got the PS5 about a month later, like early December. So, I mean, compared to how hard it was to get, that's still an accomplishment. PS5 for me was an absolute breeze to get. It was so. What is this, Jill? Like, what is this? No, no, no. Here's the thing. Wow. Uh, it was that whole thing, right? Of like the the PlayStation uh, state of play had happened, and they mm-hmm. said that things sales weren't going to happen until the next day or whatever. But then I checked oh. Twitter, and there were some grumblings going on of of more insiders saying like, "I don't know, maybe check your thing." So I was religiously just checking every single place that might sell it, and then I caught it as soon as it popped up, put it in my cart, bought it absolutely no problem whatsoever i was like that was the easiest console launch uh purchase i've ever made i i was driving from minnesota to tennessee and during oh my, gosh, my dur- dedication. during that 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 uh that playstation event uh, i had it on on my phone and just like listening to it and i'm like all right we need to make sure we get we make it to the hotel like soon so i can <laughs> see it like just just in case like i had this feeling and so like we get to the hotel and i see that like all these pre-orders are going up mm-hmm. and i uh like i spent five hours on like my phone my tablet my laptop just like refreshing different out like different places and i fell asleep at one point oh. and then woke up at like 2 30 or something in the morning and like refreshed best buy and it was there it. and i'm like got it all right was, I, I got mine through playstation directly from sony they oh, had wow. set up a, a very smart system where they basically let people into their own individual rooms so that they were like once you're in you can take your time you don't have to rush or anything like that because you're gonna mm-hmm. get one so take your time typing in your credit card info and that was uh yeah that's nice very nice uh the other well, big news i forgot that this happened this year but this was the year that Microsoft announced that it was going to buy ZeniMax for $7.5 billion, which gave them Bethesda, oh, yeah. Arcane, Tango Gameworks, id Software, and Machine Games. Huge acquisition at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, still one of the biggest ever, just in terms of like, maybe not necessarily dollar, because I mean, they, you know, they stomped all over that with their the money that they threw at Activision Blizzard. But in terms of the studios yeah. they got with that, that was, I mean, that's still huge. That was a game changer. It is, <laughs> you know. So, it, like, even now, uh, we're we're like a couple of months away from the Xbox and Bethesda showcase, mm-hmm. and like that they had, like, I think that just because they have Bethesda in the name of that as well, like, kind of goes to show how big that acquisition is. Like, oh, it's yeah. not just like the Microsoft showcase. Yeah, they're not lost in the shuffle. They are their own entity, and right. I'm sure. And some of- 
I'm sure uh, it'll some be. Some of the Bethesda titles are some of the big draws as well. Like right, Starfield's there are coming. People, Starfield. I'm hoping for Elder Scrolls. Like there are a lot of things that Bethesda is bringing to the Xbox table here. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And it's really like some smaller stories. Uh, keeping on the Microsoft chain, this was or this train. This was the year that Microsoft shut down Mixer, their uh, streaming platform. Mm. It's kind of like sort of a competitor to Switch, basically. Um, this was also the year that the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 launch fiasco went down, and all of the because uh, again, like we mentioned, everything good happened in 2020. It turns yeah. out, yeah, <laughs> all good things. Yeah, uh, this was the year that Dan Hauser left Rockstar which was big. One of the co-founders of Rockstar stepped away to, uh, I don't know what he's doing now, open a farm and just live off the land. So yeah, 2020, uh, now that we've uh, covered the year, we never have to talk about it ever again. It never happened. <laughs> we went from 2019 to, uh, well, I guess we still haven't decided what year we want to pretend that human history got back on track. Hey, <laughs> I think we might be talking about 2020 again in like eight weeks. Oh, darn it. Just want to let you know. <laughs> But yeah, you know what we can talk about now, though, is the development of Hades. So, John, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. As everyone knows, Hades just appeared on the Epic Game Store randomly in uh, 2018. <laughs> That's yeah. what happened. And then just it built itself uh, from there. Uh, no, so uh, after Supergiant launched Pyre, uh, they liked the idea of of doing their. I mean, Pyre had a lot had a lot of like intricate story stuff in it. Like, depending on who who you brought onto your team and helped ascend, and and all of that. Like, you would get a different ending for that game. Um, what they found, what Supergiant found, was uh, players typically played through pyre once and saw like one story even though there's like a million permutations of what could have happened uh yeah. so like the 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 whole replayable aspect didn't hook a lot of people thing hook a lot in this episode i'm so sorry um <laughs> can we get a hook count yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, many, how many hooks yeah. did, uh, you, uh, did you play pyre jill no i did not uh pyre was out at a time i believe i was just in college and getting really intense and i was very poor so i played maybe one game a year at that point oh damn okay unfortunate <laughs> it's it still exists so you should you should play it at some point <laughs> yeah hopefully it can hook me there you go there, there it is <laughs> uh so they like the idea of having this like branching story in, in their games, but wanted to portray it a different way. Um, so going to the drawing board, uh, the studio kind of uh, pull, pulled internally, I, I guess, um, what like what kind of settings they wanted to do, what kind of games they wanted to make. And uh, Greg Kasavin, the creative director, wanted to work with Greek mythology again. Uh, they, they kind of looked into uh making sequels to their previous games which they haven't done before um and i hope they kind of don't do moving forward i'm sure we'll talk about that later too um but uh greg greg was very interested in greek mythology i'm sure he still is um like any person would be right exactly I mean, greek mythology <laughs> is, like is greek mythology just the the best or the easiest like <laughs> 
I think it's, it's very fun. accessible to a Western audience because so much of our uh, culture is built upon sort of the Renaissance, which was built upon classical, as they saw it, Greece. Um, so there's a lot of, like for other uh, mythologies, you sort of have to explain something or like when you get God of War, maybe people don't know who's in the Pantheon, but I think the fair average person on the street could probably tell you a couple of gods in the Greek Pantheon. So They're I think like, it's just a really easy touchstone. They are like, I always consider Batman to have the most recognizable rogues gallery, yeah. which was like kind of the same thing of like any random person who probably named like five Batman villains as compared to other heroes villains. Greek mythology is that for like mm -hmm. other mythologies. Like if I had someone to name like the Egyptian pantheon or like the, I don't know, Hindu pantheon or the the Norse myth pantheon is kind of getting there because Norse mythology has been kind of popular. It's been, yeah, it's, it's close and it's like kind of close to Greek as well. So like people might be able to maybe get lucky with some of those uh thor thor hey yeah. that's we a guy. have one of our uh, weekdays is named after him you know wait what uh, uh tuesday is thor's day thursday is that wait is that really what that thursday? is 100 percent a real fact thank you what i didn't i didn't yeah most of that. our most of our days are named after um religious mythology figures uh in general I with Freya, Friday being Freya's day because it was taken over by uh, Venus's day, which was Friday. So similar goddess of love. Also, the song Friday I'm in Love takes from that idea. I, I knew welcome. it was a good idea to have you on the show, Jill, because you're so you're much welcome. smarter than us. <laughs> you're really just elevating the show. I have, I have so much of this knowledge that bounces around that you can't just talk about in normal conversation because you're like well actually you know what <laughs> yeah, it's either so, i gotta come on a podcast or a game show or I get my, my mind is blown right now i had no, no idea about shows that with you friday. can't watch with me because i was watching jeopardy one time and it was the question about friday being connected to venus or whatever and i was like this is so obvious this is ridiculous and my husband sitting next to me was like i have no idea what the answer is and i cried a little and then everyone <laughs> everyone got it wrong no one won Jeopardy. No <laughs> one. I won Jeopardy on the couch. <laughs> I could do this. <laughs> no, I would I win this any day. I would absolutely not. Uh, so we're going with the <laughs> we're going with Greek mythology for for uh, for this next game, mm -hmm. and uh, using that whole branching path thing, they wanted to. Uh, use a gameplay template that would that would work well with that uh also they kind of decided that they were going to be doing uh an early access uh game this time around uh to kind of bring it out early and and let the uh the players be involved with uh the, the development of the game in some way and all of that kind of culminates to well what works well in early access what works well with having a branching narrative or maybe a, a developing narrative over time um and since like narrative is kind of super giant strength uh they fit it into uh a, a a game genre that uh doesn't really have a a really great uh narrative uh, uh like structure yeah, stru yeah 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 it's not like you'll play the binding of isaac you'll kind of glean a few a few things uh from 
uh, from its narrative, but uh, roguelikes, roguelites, uh, the the whole rogue genre uh, is is usually more about repetition in its gameplay than in its story. And right. so what they wanted to do with this new game was uh, Greek mythology setting, roguelike, uh, but having a branching narrative that will unveil over time through early access and just through gameplay, uh, which is uh, a mind-boggling thing to to create. And uh, I know we we talked about it earlier that uh, adding narrative to a roguelike structure just seems like a no-brainer. But having that amount of like dialogue and like the like these specific things need to happen for these lines to even like take place or like these characters will know if you met this person like there's a lot of moving parts there that i think a lot of developers just don't get into the nitty-gritty of and like don't want to they're more focused on the systems than the actual narrative experience of it yeah for sure and even just like like the idea that I was watching the, uh, which we recommend, obviously, uh, first and foremost, uh, the no clip documentary series. Yeah. On Hades. Yes, it's, uh, it's incredible where if you haven't seen it, they uh, pretty much documented the game's entire early access period up to launch for about two years worth of uh, footage, just uh, edited down into six episodes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. It, brought, it talks about the game in a way that we will never be able to match <laughs> on this episode. Yeah, uh, it's it's got a very uh, double fine adventure vibe if you've ever watched that documentary series but there's it's a... also bizarrely a fantastic documentary for maybe people hundreds of years in the future for what was happening on the ground during the pandemic and how Whoa. that affected like all layers of society i find that so fascinating oh yeah like we'll, we'll get to that a bit but like you were mentioning before or earlier about like the the decision to go early access there's a great explanation for it from uh, in that doc from uh, Greg Kasavin as well as uh, Amir Rao how they were because I was wondering like I always assumed because the Epic Store was launching around that time and one of the big appeals of the Epic Store was the larger developer cut that they give mm-hmm. I think it's like and, seven, and that was that, like they, they announced that like days before so it couldn't have been exactly that but yeah well that's what I thought going in yeah. when they first announced it at the time and in that doc they explained well they don't they don't really touch on it i was like i, sh- I assume that was i'm, I'm sure it's, degree, it, it is some but, factor yeah because how could it not be yeah. but they talked about how because they were doing something so different like because they had never done an early access game before they never done a roguelite so and they were going to release they knew they wanted to do early access which is a pc thing it made more sense to do it on a store that was experimental like epic where they basically had the room to mess up a bit mm-hmm. more and because yeah. they were like you know we have a very dedicated following on steam there's some of our biggest fans to put something out that maybe isn't super great or might not be great at first to them like that could maybe be bad so they're like our most dedicated fans are going to follow us no matter where we go right so like they'll come play this here we'll work out the kings obviously throughout you know the three years that they estimated it would take to get the game to 1.0 but you know do it on this smaller stage and then move it to like the main event if you will <laughs> to steam um let's do it on this smaller store which i was i again i never thought about that when they explained i was like yeah that actually makes a lot of sense yeah. 
Uh, like that's a really smart approach. So yeah, uh, so they're they're going they're going early access with, with all of this, um, but this this game wasn't always about Hades, and it wasn't always about Zagreus, who, who's the the protagonist of the game, uh, who's the the son of Hades. Um, all of that was was not uh, the the course uh, originally. Uh, the, they kind of went a different direction in, in the Greek mythology. They wanted to. Uh, go through the whole uh, Theseus story of him, uh, like running the maze in uh, was it the the labyrinth of Crete, and yeah. uh, and and it's fighting the Minotaur, yeah. the Minotaur. Um, and with with the like the maze gave gave the studio uh, the option to switch up the uh, the corridors and everything uh, that that you'd be going through and like the the uh, stages, I guess. Um, which is a really cool concept. I, oh, totally. I I wish I could kind of play that game too. I mean, I love where Hades ended up, but like that's a cool concept just from someone who's like a a history nerd and a Greek mythology nerd running the uh the minute running away from the Minotaur with a never shifting labyrinth. Uh, except Theseus is a dick. So yeah, yeah, that was one. I mean, that was one of the problems that they came that they came through <laughs> with too was like. Like Theseus, like they on paper, they could see him being like interesting, but like yeah. implementing him into the game, he was kind of generic and kind of boring for like a protagonist. Because um, he's just like a generic warrior guy, more or less. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. only reason he made it through the maze is because he got a girl to like him and she helped him out. And then he, what does he do? ditches her he ditches the heck out of her on a deserted island story ends up well though because god shows up so it's fine wait which yep. god <laughs> which, uh, which, which it is ariadne's is the woman and okay. it's bacchus uh is the god who shows up so in love with her that he's like i'm gonna marry you and that happy ending greek mythology is wild yeah just <laughs> just great great stuff it's really like uh, going going back to <laughs> why uh, people like it for me, it's just like it's just fun and splashy and like when it comes to like religions, uh, at least like the this day and age. Uh, if you look at least for me for like Christianity, it's pretty I don't know mundane and boring <laughs> compared to the the Greek mythology. Yeah, like I mean, it's a lot more fun for me. Multiple it was gods messy. That, yeah, yeah, having multiple gods that bicker and backstab and get into these quarrels, but they also govern like a specific thing on Earth. Of like, I'm the ocean guy, and I'm I'm the farm girl. I am in charge of the harvest and the bounty and the weather and all you this. Stuff. Imagine like, Persephone yeah. is like American Gothic, like holding the pitchfork from now on. I'm the farm girl. Yeah, that's not what that is. It's not just an old man next to Persephone. <laughs> uh, She's got to still be alive. I mean, she looked kind of miserable. I was like, maybe the old guy's 80s. Um, but... Good, very uh, well could be. Interesting note that that's his daughter, not his wife. Yes, it is. Most people don't know. I, I actually did know that. Marcus is intelligent. Yes, I, I've justified my intelligence. I did not today. know that. Sorry, John. Uh, so... Um. So instead of going for, oh, should mention that we keep getting off track, and then I, John is so like, "Where am I? Am I nose?" This is every episode. <laughs> Mark Marcus has had probably had to edit like multiple pauses uh, every time. I'm just like, 
All right, I think I need to find the next beat that we need to talk about here. Um, <laughs> so I, I should mention that this game was called uh, Minos, or is it Minos? Minos, um, I think it Minos. would be right. Yeah. Um, before it made the switch uh, to Hades. So uh, after the whole Theseus experiment kind of failed, um, they were looking for other options uh, for <laughs> characters uh, that they could use. And uh, Greg Kasavin was was looking into um, different different characters, and he noticed that um, there wasn't a lot about Hades and like the underworld and those characters. Um, and what he was saying was that uh, Greeks were so uh, like afraid or scared or like off. There's actually. That's some sort of that's a little bit of a misunderstanding. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it seems there. like it'd be flat. It, it should be flushed because, out. But yes, please. Um, Greek mythology and ancient kind of uh, religion at this point is very transactional. Uh, mm. So it's not like you're talking to your gods and being like, "Hey, I'm being good. How you doing? Fine." No, you you talk to them and you pray to them and you sacrifice to them for something. Mm. You want something from them, you give them something. Uh, so Hades is a god that cannot give you anything. He governs the underworld. That's what he does. Like, there is no real purpose to having him. And it's sort of, like, baddish luck. Like, ominous to sort of invoke him. So, like, why am I sacrificing my chicken to this god who can't do anything for me? Yeah. And therefore, not that interesting. But if you want to go to war and you want victory, you know, you talk to Athena, you talk to Ares, you give them something. So, like, you have all of these things about these people that are important to the culture because mythology is built by culture, mm -hmm. uh, built by people. And so those are the people you focus on, the people who can give you something. And that makes, just really yeah, that just makes a lot of sense. That. Yeah, and I wonder if that's because that's a gameplay mechanic too, as you're like encountering the other gods and they'll, you know, they're like, hey, you know, if you do a thing for me or, you know, I, I like you, I will give you a thing. Here you go. Uh, whereas obviously because you're escaping Hades, you don't get that. And I, I wonder if some of that has to do with like, well, it makes sense for Hades to be the protagonist because if we were to do that system, what would you get from him? I mean, not that you can make something up, of course, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's that that makes more sense in the context of Hades. Though I wonder, like, yeah. you know, Joe, like if I was an ancient Greek person, mm -hmm. could I kill my chicken and ask Hades? Could I treat Hades like a Ouija board? Basically, like, hey, can you like, since you're the god of the underworld, my grandma died. I want to talk to her. Can you like, no, get there on the would line? be other gods that would be better for that. Like, there are gods that are gods that lead you to the afterlife. There are gods that uh, are more like, uh. Thanatos or um, Somnius, I'm trying to say. It's, yeah. it's sleep. Like, mm. these are gods that are hypnos. a little more... Hypnos, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, a little more connected to things that might be going on. So maybe you would talk to them. Okay, Thanatos um, is pretty cool in the game. I, I want to talk to him. But I don't think that anybody would try that. Like, maybe there are some, like, more arcane things and maybe you'd talk to, like... Hecate about that and like maybe you were trying to play with some dark powers or whatever but like for the most part Hades is not really he is governing the underworld and that's kind of what he does and he's kind of known if you look at like the myth of Orpheus who we're gonna meet uh he's not particularly like easy to move 
he's not touched by things very easily. So pleading to him your case is only really accomplished if you are like the world's greatest singer or like capable of 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 melting the heart of a, a stone essentially. So like you're not going to be talking to this guy a lot. He's nice. a bureaucrat. And he's, I mean, and the game does a good job of like showing that, right? Because they yeah. show the underworld as like a very bureaucratic. Like, this game is really cool for Greek mythology interpretation and the ways they went about things and the ways that they like show things that are very traditional and very like understood about all the different uh, religious figures, but also like the way that they kind of turn it on their head or the way unexpected thing is so cool. This part of oh, yeah. why I like this game so much is that it is a very nerdy part of me that I'm like going through and like, oh, that's really cool they did this. So, yeah, and I guess that's a credit to them, right? Because if you're someone that's really in tune with that mythology, if you're not going around going like, oh, they blew everything, this isn't what this is, and you're more <laughs> like to have the reaction you have, that's a credit to their, I guess, research and their, like, the research combined with just their creativity, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they. I mean, they wanted to they wanted to kind of shine a spotlight on Hades and his family. Like, so so going back to what what Kasavin was doing, he uh, he he found that there were. There were gods that were just like less less mentioned than others, and he he only found like a couple of mentions of Zagreus um, in in his research and yeah, found I've that never to even be heard of Zagreus. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, uh Sure, I guess that's a god. Like people must must. I, know I thought who they, they made him up. Honestly, yeah, I actually thought that too originally. This is not oh, you didn't I've never heard of. Yeah, uh, oh. but I did look into it because I was really interested. In it, and it's like it is mentioned in a couple of like obscure places, and in some places he's not a god. He's like some sort of hero connected to the afterlife or something. So they did hmm. take a character that existed, and they really ran with it, and I love it. He's yeah. the peacemaker of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's a blank slate. Uh, but yeah, he's he's basically a blank a blank slate mm -hmm. that was connected to Hades, which was in in uh, the underworld, which is a a cool place for them to put their their roguelike. Um, so like all the pieces really just fit into place here. Uh, they wanted to to build out and like show the the family that the gods were, and like their connections and like how dysfunctional they are. Uh, it's just a, a fun cast of characters to to play around with, and like having the point of the game to be escaping the underworld and escaping your father, uh, who, who controls the underworld. It's just a a, a very intriguing premise. Yeah, um, it's it's so simple, and again, like you know, once they kind of like when they had the Theseus idea. You know that gave them the perfect template for what they wanted to do, and it was they all they had to do was just kind of change the the theme, right, and the and the narrative around it, but keep the structure. It reminds me a little bit of uh, like we talked about Transistor, how they pretty much had the idea, they just swapped the protagonists. That, right? That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. Um, and then I guess they would have to change a bunch of the art because you're moving from the underworld to, or you're moving from from the labyrinth to the under, or yeah, to the underworld, and yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of the other stuff kind of just remains the same. Like we didn't really mention it before, but this is an isometric action game, uh, kind of like Bastion. Uh, a lot yeah, of it reminds me of Bastion. Yeah, or really, pretty much all their games have been isometric except for Pyre. Yeah, like that which is, is just, which is still yeah. like from the side and tilt shifted a bit. Yeah, like that is their as proven to be their bread and butter that they know how to do 
that that isometric view yeah uh, and also like it in kind of a way like we talked about how they don't do sequels but this was kind of the closest thing to a sequel because it you know a lot of it was built on what they did in bastion um like you know in that documentary they talked about how the weapons stuff was inspired by bastion how they would mm-hmm. watch people play bastion and they noticed that most players kind of pick one weapon and stick with it and they did a play test where they had separate versions of the games where you only had access to one specific weapon like you can only use the bow and then that's when people kind of found the preach like oh the bow's pretty good mm-hmm. you know now that it's the only thing that i'm allowed to use or, or really... they would they would have to come up with their gripes for the weapons that they weren't using like that oh too. like the spear sucks <laughs> and here's here's why instead <laughs> of like oh i'm just gonna use the gun the whole time yeah and so like in a lot of ways you know and they talk about like you know had hades is built on a lot of the elements from the other games they mentioned pyre as another big inspiration like flat out saying that this game wouldn't exist without pyre a lot of it due to the character work is what carried over from pyre because pyre is such a huge cast uh so it's in a way it almost feels like a spiritual sequel to bastion and pyre but there's also some transistor in there as well with the It's definitely the culmination of everything that the studio had been doing up to that point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we mentioned this game went to to early access, uh, famously launched in at the Game Awards December first, twenty eighteen. Pretty much uh, alongside the launch of the Epic Game Store, and it was Mm -hmm. one of the very first like third party Epic Game Store exclusives. Uh, this was probably too early before we could get mad about that. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you get mad about a lot of things. That's true. The game yeah. industry. I mean, some people were mad. I was. Yeah, I don't know if the hate for Epic Games Store really picked up until a little later. Oh, yeah. 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 Which I I get, but I also don't get. I get yeah, yeah, I there's some valid complaints. That the store is not as good as Steam. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way. But like that, hating but... something over that is not like I have some uh, thoughts about why people might not like that but they're not generous so yeah, <laughs> yeah I, my thing is like the idea of like this game i'm really excited for is only coming to epic i have full access to that but like the idea of like this game's dead to me now because it's coming to epic first i'm like uh, that's a bit extreme like but, I, but. I feel like 95 percent of the time the the big irritation is is that it's on a different launcher yeah and that's it like like oh i need to click something else on my computer to get to this it's like all right whatever whatever and you don't you don't even need to you could just put right. the put the icon on your desktop and live your life yeah it's great because that no clip documentary like we said it shows the whole early access launch you get to see them like a super giant simultaneously prepping for it while also attending the game awards to you know bask in the glory and also be uh scared as hell which Mm -hmm. you know i don't blame them but then also (laughs) having the game launch uh early uh before and hoping no one noticed yeah yeah yeah, exactly uh and i guess they were checking twitter like the whole time and no one was mentioning it so which makes sort of sense because everybody would have been tuning in for the game awards and probably not just randomly checking around and yeah in the way that normally you would this was this was also like the day after the epic store launched so there were like pretty soon after so i think people weren't expecting shadow drops on Mm -hmm. on that launcher right away but it is epic now we know now we know to expect it 
Yeah, and it's amazing because I didn't. You said you played this game in early access, John. Yeah. I did not at all, and that's more because I have like a general policy with early access where I just don't. And I might have mentioned this in other podcasts or something, but I have this mm. thing where like I'm afraid to play games in early access because if I like it too much. I'm going to keep playing it, and mm -hmm. I'm afraid that by the time the game comes out, I'll be over it, right. even though it updates and it changes along the way. But it's like, if it's something I'm really excited for, I'd rather just finish it yeah, when it's, it's 100 like thing. done, because mm -hmm. I don't want to see it like in an imperfect state. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to see the gears in the back, you know, moving and stuff like that. And I will say this was probably the hardest game that I ever had to kind of keep that policy for because like, I'm a huge super giant fan. I remember watching the game awards and seeing that announcement and like, like, Oh man, you know, I also love Greek mythology. Just like, man, that's cool. They're doing like a Greek roguelike thing and you can play it now. And it's like, Oh, do I want, it's like, should I just check it out? Just to see? And I was like, let me, let me wait. And also cause I hadn't installed the uh, Epic store yet. So that gave me a little bit more like of a buffer to not immediately jump into it. Yeah. But like, you know, following it in a year since, you know, not to jump ahead, it was one of those things where I would read updates and people's impressions and watch videos and stuff and be like, that looks like it's coming together real good. <laughs> yeah, it, it had one of those problems for me early on where it's it was like the first section of the game. Yeah, it was up like, to the bone uh, major, right? Yeah. And so. I, I'm kind of in the same camp as you, Marcus, where I, I will usually wait until 1.0 releases before jumping in i kind of did the same thing with uh rogue legacy 2 as mm -hmm. well um where i i bought it uh right away when it hit early access because i wanted to see what the what they were doing with with rogue legacy and it was still like just the first section and so i played like 20 minutes of it and it's like all right i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait for more updates uh because i know if i'm gonna get into this loop i'm gonna want to keep playing and then i can't and that sucks yeah, like I don't want to hit the, I don't want to see the unfinished track. Right. I don't want to see the finish. Like I want, I want to right. see beyond. I don't want to see the horizon. I want to just yeah. for, to keep going. Um, but like for for a team's first time doing early access, I feel like mm -hmm. ultimately Hades is going to go down as one of the most successful like early access mm -hmm. like games or, or periods because you know they 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 had a plan like all right, roughly three years. You know we'll keep this thing in and yep. just listening to them talk about early on of how they wanted to have a really regimented approach in terms of like updates like you know scheduling updates and not that other teams don't do this and you know they were talk they talked about how they spoke to other developers that had done early access before and they all kind of had the same thing of like oof, strap in for the ride <laughs> you know <it's laughs> you're like, always going to be working on this yeah mm -hmm. and just how weird it is to have a game playable that everyone knows about that isn't done yeah. like that's a yeah. big perspective shift of like oh like just being that transparent about it right um but you know th their dedication to updating the game multiple times a week and talking about like they did that because they never wanted to miss an announced date for an update and anything like that and se it's seemingly largely hitting that like you know they would do smaller stuff and they always had the big updates that added like another bit of the game, another bit of the game, whether it be like, hey, we're adding the gods one by one. Like, hey, this is the update that adds uh, Dionysus. And there's like another section of the game you could play through, but now you can mess with this power. And like when you kind of break down the game structure like that, of like delivering stuff piecemeal, it makes so much sense. Uh, like mm -hmm. letting people get used to 
a set of powers or a weapon before we throw in another god and their whole power because that changes the entire dynamic when you're mixing things up right like mm-hmm. oh do i mm-hmm. want to combine dionysus with aphrodite stuff is that what's that gonna do <laughs> you know is that maybe i'll like that for with the sword or something and and like how much they watched twitch streamers too like seeing in that documentary I'm surprised they, yeah. yeah they would just camp around computers just watching people which makes sense they should do that but mm-hmm. i don't know why that yeah i think i was a little surprised too i guess it's weird because you'd think as someone you know you and i have streamed on our own before like there's a part of you that probably assumes the developers are watching you right? yeah, and, yeah and then they pop into chat and you're like oh hello oh, right we have to be a lot more careful yeah. about what we say like i, I had was... that moment when we were doing the stream of myth force and bm dog showed up and oh, i was they? like oh yeah they did yeah. And i was like oh i am i have the feeling i am intensely being watched now obviously we we're on stream so we knew we were being watched but did yeah you regret like, saying all oh, those gosh. mean things about the game <laughs> we had some concerns uh but i think we were pretty polite about them but i i think that's also part of it is they i i feel like i need to be polite if if a developer is is in uh in the chat uh while i'm playing their game or like there's there's something about it where like i need to be a little bit nicer if i'm more critical but i think they want the they want to know the critical right like, yeah they, they, that's they why want they're watching. to know exactly what you think <laughs> right i am i am in some ways play testing this game and they want to know what's working what's not yeah like in that doc you saw like a mirror just but like don't be a it, complete like, ass about it just right, yeah right. yeah like just hearing them like you know react to streamers and like the things like oh they wow i can't believe they hit this point this early or they're having a really good run or like listening to complaints like oh like people saying the sword is too weak or this weapon is overpowered how do we and mm. like how quickly they seem to just get on that <laughs> was yeah. uh impressive I mean, you know it's hard to say because you know this documentary it's cut down so maybe you know i'm not saying there weren't times where like you know things maybe weren't addressed as fast as they were in fact there was a interesting point of frustration for amir where he talked about how you know i think it was when they were doing the very first big update which was the one that added dionysus and seeing streamer like they had the patch done but hadn't gone line and seeing streamers play the previous version which was still the current version and seeing them run into bugs that they had already fixed and how frustrating <laughs> yeah. that was for him because it's like we can't like we're not, update we can't, it yeah like we can't push it live yet but like <laughs> it was like mentally for him it's like oh it's push like you want to get in like we fixed this already we swear it's coming like tomorrow whatever it was like again like it's getting the in in the head of like a developer dealing with early access again because you don't have to deal with that when you're making games traditionally because when nobody knows what you're doing right mm-hmm. yeah like, you know all that stuff comes after launch and whatever but i guess there's good sides too because because talked about how one of the draws of early access was it was another thing i never really thought about where he talked about how most developers you know the development cycle they they say they never really feel like they find their groove until the game's pretty much about to come out mm-hmm. like it's like oh, it's always like the last couple months that everything you you really start feeling the game right because you know we've all heard the stories countless times of like how most dev cycles are pretty much a dumpster fire until the very end <laughs> and then they somehow <laughs> pull it together <laughs> uh it was like we didn't know what we were doing until the last six months and then we got game of the year because the stars aligned or the opposite yeah. of like this game is a disaster um but like with early access it kind of allowed them to feel their groove all the time because everyone knows about it uh which that sounds nice it's just just the psychology behind 
developing a game that way was really fascinating to to kind of get insight on. Um, some some interesting things about like the early access period. Uh, they realized within the first month that uh that what what players were gonna need to go forward with was actually in a further update uh, than their first planned update. So they actually swapped their 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 first update and their fourth update, huh. uh, which sounds like a, a, a like just a bananas thing to do on the fly, <laughs> especially yeah. for like the first update. It's like, oh, hey, we're bringing update four forward. This thing that we weren't really planning to do in the yeah. next like three weeks. Was that um, the one that brought chaos? Today? That was the chaos one. Yeah. Um, so brought in chaos and it brought, I mean, that, that just brought in like more difficulty modes basically for, for players, right? Yes. Like as and you beat the game, there's different modifiers that you put on. Is that the modifier system? Yeah. Like this? the, and, and by the way, if you have not played Hades, we mean chaos, the character, not actual chaos. <laughs> not, not chaos, <laughs> not mean, stranger of paradise not chaos. Not mutually exclusive, but yeah. Yeah. Like we don't, we, they didn't, they didn't bring bad things to the studio. Is mm. what I'm saying. Um, at least not yet. good things um, actually yeah yeah you can say chaos yeah it was like modifiers like hey you know here's a thing that's going to make this harder but you know it's temporary and when you get to the other side of it you'll get a big reward so it's like a yeah. risk reward system which i appreciate it and also chaos's design is awesome and it was it's cool so good it's so good oh, and so the voice good. too like hearing them talk about because they spent a good time with talking about chaos and like how you know designing what is ultimately like an abstract kind of entity that is the the birth of everything yes mm-hmm. like how do you personify uh, that basically that's somehow still a distant relative to zagreus and i guess to all of them and all of yeah. them yeah yeah. yeah yeah and yeah it's like oh do you trust this thing can you <laughs> is it capable of such a thing or is it capable of, of affection <laughs> or yeah. does it have its own agenda uh i don't know but yeah uh, chaos has always been one of the characters that i always enjoyed visiting just because there's like mystique around them you know yeah absolutely uh so hades had 12 uh major updates throughout its early access period uh which culminated with its 1.0 launch in september 2020 uh which also coincided with its switch release so uh the, the studio originally did uh just just the pc version like we talked about before because that was just easier uh but also managed to port it to switch for for the uh the full release which is neat uh, a little bit after that they implemented uh cross save uh using your epic account uh between the pc and the switch version uh yeah which like is, a month later or something like that yeah which is i think invaluable for this type of game like it's one of those yeah. games that you'd want to take on the go with you and Having played uh, at least twenty minutes of it on the Switch, I think it's, it's a great game to to play portably. Uh, it's it's run flawlessly, and uh, I was actually kind of worried about that because there's a lot of like small moving parts that I felt like I would have missed yeah. um, playing it. But it's it seems to work pretty yeah. well portably. Before we get too far ahead, I think we'd be remiss to mention too because like the pandemic, you know, hit this yes. game pretty hard. Yes. You know, because it launched yeah. in 2020. Um, the episode of the no clip documentary that is just about the pandemic is actually pretty emotional (laughs) and i I figured it would be because it's again the year feel it's still it wasn't that long ago but in a way it feels like it was like 100 years ago that Mm -hmm. like looking back on it 
is like it stirs up emotions of like seeing right. the the clips of like the first month of lockdown and like San Fran and like no one in the streets and like right. especially because you've you've watched the how like vibrant and lively that studio is and to go from that to suddenly like they're all talking about like we're at home now yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. we don't know what's gonna happen like that uncertainty of like well we're gonna keep making the game and just kind of like roll with the punches and then you know famously this was a new story at the time that you know the studio suffered a break-in mm-hmm. uh during the yeah. pandemic and they had the security footage and everything like you see it happen like some dudes just broke in and def- their mm-hmm. studios like it looks like a storefront and so it's like on the street i mean yeah. yeah i mean that's sort of how san francisco works it's yeah. bizarre because you never know exactly what you're walking by and you can go in and it's like oh this is a piano store yeah, and then the is, next shop down is like oh this is like someone's house you know it's, <laughs> it's a very bizarre uh, thing and like especially at being in san francisco and i'm based in the bay area uh that episode was really like in very touching to me because it was very like connected to my experience going through that year and so yeah it was a very like again if you're not if you're interested in this topic you uh of hades in general you really should go and see that documentary because it is so fantastic daniel dwyer ladies and gentlemen yeah Yeah, incredible (laughs) and his team yeah exactly those guys rocked and yeah i only bring it up because i like seeing them kind of truck through that like you know stay stay the course and and get the games you know the game was in its final stretch like right. we were getting it ready yeah. for 1.0 when the world fell apart basically uh and you know the break-in it happened thankfully you- the break-in wasn't terrible they only took like like he was saying like they were kind of a polite fees or like they didn't like destroy the place they took like right. a few instruments that they used for recording and stuff like that but largely like their desk and whatever were pretty untouched uh so i was like oh that's cool uh hearing kazavin like rationalize it too at that part where he's like saying like yeah that sucks but like i get why someone would do that uh-huh. i thought mm-hmm. that was a great bit and talking about like hey you know times are hard basically so Kazavin's like, very real in in that oh, whole yeah. documentary series just like he, he also mentions at one point he's like i don't want this to be all like glowing like yay super giant like things things go wrong and these are the things that we need to talk about and like show people yeah, because he was always surprised because, you know, when it first launched in early access, it got all this praise and he was just like, wow, like this, this can't last, right? Like, logically, this can't <laughs> last. <laughs> and then it, you know, it did. And then when they brought it to Steam in 2019, it was the same thing of like, okay, maybe people will be, we'll get like 98% approval today and then it'll drop off. And then it just didn't. <laughs> I think it's sitting <laughs> at a 99% now, actually. Wow. Um, so yeah like uh, he has like a very like i don't know if pragmatic's the word i want to use but like you know like it's not like he thinks the game isn't deserving of that he's just kind of like accounting like oh well you know how people are right like yeah he's realistic yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's always seems like when he's like comes from a really genuine place of like wow people really like this like that's really cool (laughs) like (laughs) yeah like it's really humbling i feel Um, like i talk about this every week but it's it's one of those things like as as uh content creators of some sort <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that we are like you never know until you release something into the world whether someone's gonna like it or like oh, yeah. if you're doing the right thing if you hand it off to your editor and you're like oh, i just don't i don't know about this and you until you get feedback on it 
you really like don't it, know. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I could see them just completely hating this, and I, like, yeah, there, there is that 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 part of you that's gonna that's gonna see the the aspects of what you worked on that people might not enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, because you'd be like, oh, I thought this was cool, or we thought this was cool, but well, yeah, but else you, you cool. don't know until yeah, uh, when you get it outside of your your brain or your bubble. Yeah, right. exactly. So. And people picking up on things that you like had no intention of, or you know, there's there's a lot of lap uh, overlap there for anybody who does something creative and release it to the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like you mentioned, but you know, when Hades at one point oh, it it did real well. <laughs> it turns <laughs> out, uh, which it, again, following the signs of like the epic launch and Steam launch, it was like well. If you're going by that, of course, it's going to do well, because if it was getting that reception when it was unfinished, <laughs> then yeah, probably it's going to be just fine when you get the full thing out there. You know, they were working on the ending at that point uh, and also stressing how they wanted like a real ending, not to do the ambiguous like is there multiple endings and like that, because that's what they had always been known for is like having like very clear, defined narratives like our games have a beginning, middle and end, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that was one of the things they were worried about doing a, uh, a roguelite in the first place because they thought or they they assumed I don't think I don't know if people there probably were some people that had their reaction. But when Hades was announced that they accept they thought the reception would be just like, oh, they're like betraying us almost in a weird way because they can't a roguelike, which was, you know, trendy. And it still is. Yeah. But also, like, it, because of that, it, like, oh, they can't do what they normally do. Like, because we said before, like, how do you tell like a good story? in that structure of what are they doing, mm -hmm. you know? So like, it, it was like super important to like, you know, this final stretch to have our like ending ending. Cause this game does have like a single like ending yeah. <laughs> definitive ending. Very satisfying. Uh, yeah, it is super satisfying. I love it. Uh, was uh, it for them to stick the landing as well as they did is another just impressive feat for what that game is. Uh, yeah. Like we said, it, when it came out, uh, what was it September? September seventeenth, seventeenth, yeah, twenty twenty for PC and Switch. At first, uh, it eventually would come to PlayStation and Xbox consoles the next year in August. Yes. Uh, it scored pretty well. Uh, we gave it an eight point five. We're probably on one of the lower. Yeah, we're on the lower though, end. Even mm -hmm. though an eight point five is a great score, I don't want people to. You know, oh yeah, write. no, that's that's really good on our on our. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, reviewer Matt Miller, he loved the game, just not as much as other people. I would have scored higher if it was I would have scored so. higher, yeah. But, Sorry, you know, Miller. Yeah, we're not saying Miller's <laughs> wrong. Just, just throw him you know. under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was getting like nines from like IGN, GameSpot, other places. And, you know, I, I checked, it's sitting at a 93 right now on Metacritic overall. Uh, you know, it was nominated for Game of the Year awards and won like Best Indie and a few other awards at the Game Awards, which was a Again, as someone that was like in the pro Hades camp of Game Informer watching that, because I, I remember, and I still have this problem with the Game Awards, you know, to go on a weird tangent of like, you know, best indie, that's great, but man, this is a game of the year contender. It should yeah. be in there. And I think it was, but the problem, and I, that I don't think has ever yet to happen, it's like, and I told everyone this on staff at the time, it's like, if it wins best indie, it's not going to win game of the year. Like, yeah. even though theoretically, mm -hmm. I don't, mm -hmm. there shouldn't be a reason why it shouldn't win both. <laughs> uh, I think but it's just, that's like, just how... psychologically, like, if you voted for it for Best Indie, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, it got 
an award it got exactly. the best award right. and we don't want to also get like unless it was obvious that this was there was no other competition this was the only game that came out this year that was worth talking about like i don't think that's ever going to happen and i have such thoughts about how indies are treated in the general award cycle of, of and like it it's important to sort of i like that there are sort of separated categories because if you didn't do you get as many as much recognition for any games but at the same time like they should be able to be seen as on their own like standing on their own two feet and like these are it's not like oh these are real games and then these are indie games like the implication is always sort of there when you do that um so like there are indie games that for me, I mean, I'm very much with Marcus here. Like I would fight, especially this year, I'm going to fight real hard for an indie game to win for our best, uh, best game of the year. But um, uh, Pokemon, that's, that's very yeah, brave of you. It's very brave. So yeah, it's, it's hard to sort of break that, uh, break through that. And Hades, you know, to give it credit was very much in that discussion and part of a big push to have indie games be a, a serious contender for the actual game of the year rather than just like, oh, it's that indie game that did well. Yeah. And we're probably complaining more about it than they did because watching them react to the game wars, they were just all smiles. Which, they were just happy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, every time they got a nomination, they're like, whoa, <laughs> like, <laughs> we did it. Congre- best story, best performance all that stuff like they're like this is great like we're just happy to be you know it's an honor to be nominated as they as they say right um yeah. and, it, and it's true it's not you know it is um but yeah this uh you know they after the game launched they just kind of kept patching it i don't think i think i don't remember the last time they updated it they you know supergiant tends to move on from their games relatively quickly after they launch like you know they'll do the initial like yeah month and or was... two of patches and then after that unless they're porting it to something else which you know they were able to do with hades yeah um that's pretty much it they kind of just jump to the next thing uh which i kind of like about them there's something i respect about having a, that clean break of like nope we're done with this we're moving on to our next thing it it seems different and weird for this game though just because they did go through all the early access stuff like i guess that is all of their like expansion content and it was like they always saw like the the early access release of hades as their pilot episode and then every major update that came out after that was more content like more characters that they were adding uh more pieces to the season yeah and the aphrodite episode and so like say. once once that that game hits 1.0 like it's it it feels weird that they're like not going to add anything after that because like they've been doing expansion. it for so long. Yeah, yeah like, like it, yeah. it seems like right right for for an expansion. Yeah. Especially for right. roguelites cuz they those games tend like look at Dead Cells. That game got so many big story expansions and and stuff since you know that launched. Um and I'm not saying it Hades needs that. I think it's fine as it is. Like there's mm-hmm. certainly plenty of game there. Um, but yeah, like you said, like, because we're so conditioned to that with that genre that you're almost right. like, yeah, it's weird that we never got like, I don't know, like another god or something that was. Yeah, like a whole <laughs> new area or something. And that would have like, it would have been successful. 
Yeah. Like, there's really no question about yeah, it. If probably. there had been an update, people would have gone back to do it. And it is, I mean, it, it has to speak a little bit to the developer's mindset and what they're interested in that they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a thing of like, it's, this it, is the game we meant fine. to this put is out. What we wanted. Mm -hmm. This broke. is the experience <laughs> we intended for you. Um, you know, and that's a really interesting thing about indies that they can do that. A lot of times, AAA studios are sort of locked into what makes money and what yeah. uh, continues the success to of their get game. Get the gravy so. train going as long as you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a service. It's, it's yeah. the movie Loot boxes. No movie can be a standalone story. Everything has to be a, a series or a franchise now. Which, mm. which you know, like, it, there's some judgment attached to that, but also, like, that is driven a lot by us as the consumers and, sure. and you know, what we want. So, like, I'm sitting here talking about, like, the most anticipated games uh, for the, the podcast um, for next year this year and next year and like a lot of them are sequels and like expansions to things and so there's like i'm not trying to say that that is a bad way and indies do it better uh but like it is a refreshing thing to see and when you are steeped in sort of what's happening in the game realm and you're playing all these games and there is this kind of connection between all of them and you get sort of used to something when something comes along and like breaks from that it really sticks in your mind yeah and mm -hmm. yeah like i said it's not like i'm pining necessarily for like man i hope they wish they could add this to it uh because i definitely have my fun with the game and it's something i i, I downloaded on xbox i only played it on epic um and i, I need to fire up that console version just to to get back in it <laughs> but yeah let me ask you jilla someone that is you know know so much about greek mythology is there a greek god that is not in the game that you would like to see them do like get the super giant treatment i guess oh that's a question or um a greek character because like there there are non-god characters in there the game as well characters um because her uh, they mentioned hercules early on of like they said that you know because they were like when they came up with the Greek idea, they mentioned like, well, players have an expectation when you do that. And some players are like, oh, you're going to do Hercules, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that would is, be a huge like, yeah, he's person not to game, show up. But yeah. Um, yeah. Hercules would be like basically anyone that they had pop up would be interesting. Um, but I don't see how they would have her. Like, what would Hercules's reason for being there be? You know, like for being hot. Get, yeah. Like, like every other character. The game has a game. shortage of hot characters. It is so <laughs> thirsty. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because like, I, yeah, Hercules is an interesting character because he was not. He was mortal and then became immortal. Um, so maybe there's something there, but. I I would like to get, like not to just have uh this is this is not like a story thing but like what if you could ride a Pegasus wouldn't that be cool Ooh, come on that would be great servers but, might get jealous though ah servers uh, what if what if they're friends what if they okay. just hang out together okay that'd be cool if they're he's like they're like chilling out in the, the like lobby together what if I'd Cerberus be. rides the Pegasus. Oh. Okay, now we have a game. Yeah. 
right, let's... Super Giant, we have a pitch for you. Yeah, I think they should add Kratos personally. Uh, anyways, <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> my, my favorite Greek god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got a. It's like yeah. you. They add a thing where you actually get to go to Olympus, and as you get to the top, it's just Kratos like <laughs> murdering the last of them. Oh, you do a run <laughs> where none of the gods talk to you, and you're like, "What's going on?" They what normally are giving me oh, boons, no. and then you find out that's the connection. <laughs> you you get. Oh my gosh. You're like things have popped off here. It seems. Uh, I think we these are Ragnarok spoilers. We should probably. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, down. Yeah, I guess, you know, getting into, since we're already delving into some narrative stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Hades, it's weird, because Hades' story is, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's, it's shorter, because when you look at it as just, like, if you're just reading the synopsis, and not taking into account that it unfolds over, like, potentially dozens upon dozens of runs, yeah, <laughs> you, you think it's longer than it really is, but, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's, it's weird, because I, I like all their stories. You know, it's weird to rank them or even say, like, it's rank one them. of my favorites of the four that I love. <laughs> um, but, you know, the uh, the general premise is, like we mentioned, you're, is you're Zagreus, the son of Hades, who wants to escape the underworld because, you know, early, and they do a good job. Because early on, you're not really sure why he's doing it. You just, they kind of present him as just like a, re, like a rebellious. Yeah. Yeah, like he's just rebelling against his, like, strict father who wants him to stay there and isn't. And he doesn't even bother trying to stop you because the underworld is so inescapable. He's like, you know, yeah, go go try to run away. See what happens, basically, is Hades' excuse. <laughs> like, why he doesn't step in. And, you know, eventually you find out, like, as you're going through it, and I'm, you know, I'm very much paraphrasing. There's a lot of little things that can happen depending on who you talk to and when. But, mm-hmm. you know, and spoiler for you, John. But <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm willingly here. Okay. It. But like when you finally get through to the surface, you find yourself in Greece and you meet Zagreus's mother, Persephone, mm-hmm. who, of course, if you study Greek mythology, you know that Persephone was the queen of the underworld who was put in that position against her will in yeah. a very in a very messed up way. And I, I like this. And you, you meet her and she basically the whole story is like, yeah, you know, I was basically a gift to Hades as compensation for Hades agreeing quote unquote to run the underworld like Uh, this is the part of the story that very much confused me um because I really enjoy when people take myths and run with them and go with a different thing there is no such thing as like this is the myth because myths are myth (laughs) yeah I mean it's myth but it's also like each myth has its own variations, even within the culture. So it's like you could be talking about like there's no definitive like this is the story. Uh, but the basic like if there were a sort of wellish known version of this story, it is the um, Persephone is like picking flowers like you do, um, and Hades pops out of the ground, kidnaps her, and that is their marriage congratulations you're now married is he a flower no he, he okay. like a lot like the implication is that like the ground splits open and he pops out and like, grabs her that sounds like a flower to the me. most dramatic way to kidnap someone <laughs> um and then her mom demeter is a goddess of sort of the harvest um and is so distraught that her daughter is suddenly missing like he doesn't tell anybody nobody knows what happened uh that she withholds uh crops 
uh, from she withholds the growing of things. Like she punishes man, basically. Yeah, for this. and it and that's how winter comes along, and it is very much a like this is describing why winter happens. You know, it's sort of what that myth is for. Um, and like they play around with this myth a lot in in the game which is cool and they talk about the pomegranate seeds later and they're like this is such a stupid thing no one's gonna believe that i'd love that um that little tidbit but um but i i never quite understood exactly what the game's version of this myth is because there's implication here that that persephone was some sort of consolation prize that's actually the word being used by Zagreus and she was a goddess herself of course is a goddess herself yeah no Persephone was always yeah Yeah, always always from from godly lineage um but also that finding out that he accepted this gift from Zeus would somehow cause a war between them and Olympus even though Zeus is the one that apparently instigated this but no one was supposed to know Zeus was just going to let a war happen and let people think that Hades had just kidnapped her without stepping in. Because like, the idea was that, or her explanation, because and what we're saying unfolds over a series of conversations that you yes. have with Persephone, because you find out the first time that you reach her that Zagreus can only survive in the mortal world for a few minutes. And that's the explanation for why you go back even when you get out. Because he mm-hmm. finds out he's still bound to the underworld. So it's all right. every time you reach her, he kind of has to be like, real quick. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this is all I've learned. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of sad because, right? Because they're having this because she's a lot nicer and warm than Hades, like, and he hasn't seen her because he, because you find out that, she, right. and she thought that he was dead. So she, this is a shock to her, too. So you're meeting each other and it's this loving thing, and every time it's cut short and you have to work your way back to her to get more of whatever she has to tell you. Um, but like the, I, the the full story was that you know like Persephone was a gift, an unwilling right. gift to Hades. But she Hades... was also sort of willing. Is the thing that I always get. Well, I think like, I thought it was about. that she grew to like it, but originally maybe was like she's oh, very what the hell? clear that she was willing to. She wanted to leave Olympus, and oh, yeah. she she wasn't really consulted in this giving of her to Hades. Which is very Greek, by the way. A very yeah. Greek, you know. Like, uh, like, you're doing this no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like she was like, I'm not very, like, I'm not having a great time. I don't love Olympus. Yeah. So, like, I'm sort of cool with having been kidnapped. And we, he, he's better than the alternative. But also, we can't tell anybody. Like, it seems like they were sort of in between the the idea of they eloped and it was a secret and that's going to cause a problem. But for some reason, the writers wanted there to be this connection with Zeus uh, to be like, I don't know, some way of like Hades. They didn't want Hades to be the bad guy. And I love that. And they made yeah. sure that that came Which through. Which takes a so, long time to figure out. It, it, right. Like, the stuff you're talking about is like the epilogue Very, stuff. very, very epilogue yeah, stuff. because like the whole game he's presented as like the antagonist. He's the last guy you fight before you escape or before you finish a run. He's always waiting at the end and you right. got to get through to him. And but he always, and especially the first time you fight him, he always paints the gods as like, 
hey, yeah, they're helping you out, but you should not trust them. Mm -mm. Like, I'm telling you that they suck. There's a reason I don't talk to them. (laughs) It's not that I'm a grumpy, like, a-hole. It's that they are they're worse than you think i'm like like he's like you think i'm bad try dealing with them um and it's so good because like it's such a fantastic uh reflection of like the ancient greek gods were mean and capricious and vindictive and jealous and terrible and did not care about feelings so it's like that's a fantastic uh, way to present them in in this sort of modern yeah. media, and I absolutely love that, and that makes sense. But there is some like wiggleness here that I don't understand, and I'm really hoping you can uh, talk me through it. Okay, so like, and like I said, like, I I enjoy that too, like that subversion, because up, you know, when you're doing the runs, the gods are all super helpful, right? The only time you mm-hmm. really ever see their vindictiveness is those situations where you have to choose a boon, choose one, and yeah. the one which that you I don't always pick. did. <laughs> like i i was so not strategic with this game because i would always pick the god that i personally enjoy more like not because they would like help me with powers or whatever but it's like you know if it's aphrodite i always pick aphrodite because she's like one of the most powerful in the pantheon and i'm not i'm not messing around with her so she's always on my good side no matter who else it is i'm going aphrodite i think i did that in the beginning combined with like just what was useful in the situation or what i just preferred like well i really like aries's boons they're helpful for me i'm gonna keep doing him and then once i kind of like because the more the more you pick them the more you sort of max out their relationship and you get more powerful boons so like you know after once i did the ones i liked eventually i just picked the ones that i wanted to max out because i wanted to get all of them so which hurts then i would have to go against people that i never really did if like well sorry artemis <laughs> I, I i loved your stuff but now i gotta say no to you so i can max out the meter and i'll deal with the wrath that comes with that um but yeah other than that they're all like hey yeah man we can't wait to see you up here because they don't know why you're escaping and that's the big secret like he's not telling them why he's doing that and, right. he, and he doesn't tell anyone why he's doing you find out as you go um but the story was that persephone when she was down with hades they had you know zagreus was conceived but he was born he was a stillborn and persephone was so devastated by that that she fled the underworld believing that her son was dead and and there was some like marital stuff with hades but like that was like the the final straw was like oh my my child i've lost it i'm gonna flee but i don't want to go back to olympus either because that sucks so i'm going to stay on earth and find a little secluded little garden area that no one can find me no one knows where i am the gods still think that i'm down there (laughs) hades has no idea where i am the idea (laughs) though i mean to go back to why i'm confused is that the gods don't know where she is it's like this whole time she could have just been in a garden somewhere i mean she was (laughs) i mean first of all the the design of that garden is so fantastically oh, it's so beautiful. pretty and it's such a uh, change because you're so used to the underworld stuff. underworld gloomy and dark and yeah and, then and it's emerge. pretty in its own way but yeah when yeah. you get up there you see how lush it is you're like where are we at and then you were like oh. i just hang out here yeah <laughs> and that's kind of what adds to the sadness of like every time you get up there you know you only have like a few minutes with her right before you have to mm-hmm. go back down um but like yeah like so that's why you know, Persephone believed for years that Zagreus was never, never, never existed. And Zagreus grew up believing that Nyx was like his, his mom. Because Nyx helps Persephone escape. So Nyx has always known, I mean, obviously, and so is Hades. But 
Hades was so devastated by Persephone leaving that he forbade everyone in his kingdom from speaking of her, uh, which is why Zagreus never knew about her. Because, you know, you find out that Zagreus always thought it was like selfishness out of Hades and maybe a little bit of it, but he was also doing it some like he always framed as being it for their protection because again of like worrying what the gods will do if they right. find out like it is a um, sort of you realize that uh hades is being very self-sacrificing here um in letting persephone go because he knows that she wasn't particularly happy in the underworld and she like he doesn't trust anybody in olympus and he thinks that to find out what the situation was will cause a war with the gods and it'll be this terrible thing yeah and um, that's why he's up with zagreus because he thinks like you will realize what you're doing could yeah. bring them to our doorstep and like you're gonna get us all killed by yeah. trying to do what you do <laughs> you you're know? going to like i have sacrificed the one thing that i love in life persephone so that she can have a good life in this garden forever happy not uh, bothered by the underworld not bothered by olympus and you are like unknowingly because you are a dumb kid who doesn't know anything and of course also Hades hasn't explained no. any of this yeah, yeah it's not his fault he's only going yeah. by what he has to work with um, <laughs> you know? but in hades eyes zagreus is taking the enemy to the love of his life's doorstep yeah and then to theirs too which you know again there it's like zags he he doesn't really like you can't blame him he's just he, like he's only been treated maybe not great by right Hades. he's treated like uh, some dumb kid who doesn't know anything he's not given the information he's never sat down yeah. and said like hey you have a family and they are very bad and toxic and abusive and we don't you know they might seem nice but you don't know them like i do right <laughs> you know and so and i think there's a great moment where he, uh that kind of really does a good job uh softening hades a bit where persephone explains like yeah when they gave me to him he thought that was so disrespectful like the idea of like giving forcing someone to be your bride that that's why he hates zeus like he never forgave zeus for doing something like that of like well, you're just gonna give me this person against their will like who does that <laughs> like as a gift for having to get the crappiest realm and be in charge of it that's how you make it up to me <laughs> is more or less giving me like not a slave but it's not that far off from i'm, the I'm sure it's enhanced by like him having to rule over a place where people are forced to be there like they can't go anywhere else like that that seems uh incredibly cruel even to the ruler of that place yeah and it, it does a good job of like uh, not necessarily humanizing him but you kind of it rounds him out a lot more like you said a lot of times you see hades he's very he's very cold you only see him at the desk telling people no in that long line yeah <laughs> which did you always did you guys do the thing i did where I, I stood at that line for like sometimes like 15 minutes to see if he would ever say yes to someone because like <laughs> it's got to change eventually right there's probably like a secret thing where he'll suddenly just be like oh yeah that's a good you did some good deeds you can go to elysium but it as far as I know, maybe it does. I've I've never seen it happen. I haven't seen it happen, no. I haven't either. I mean, there's so many lines in this game, and that's one of the other big things with this game is how much the dialogue and, like, changes with everything, not just the story. Like, Supergiant said there's roughly, like, 22,000 lines in the game, yeah. and that Zagreus himself has between, like, 8,500 and 9,000. And that was one of the things that impressed me and still impressed me with Hades, that 
you pretty much never hear like a single repeated line like ever mm -hmm. yeah no matter how many like i've i i forgot how many runs i did by the time i finished it um but i've heard people that broke like a hundred and they were still saying like i still have not heard i still see new stuff like all the time because once you because you know once you beat the game or like when you get credits you know because it takes 10 runs to get to credits you have to get up there you have to get up there 10 times to get the full story <laughs> um and you know eventually you convince persephone to come back to the kingdom or to the underworld and you know reconcile with hades and you guys can live together as a as a happy family right mm -hmm. and then you know you can kind of stop playing there honestly if you wanted to because you got the like 90 percent of the story right mm -hmm. uh but you know from there the game keeps going like if you want to keep doing runs you you can start to build your relationships with the other characters like achilles or the gods you can romance characters like meg or dusa yeah. Uh, which is good. funny because Dusa turns you down if you romance her because the whole game <laughs> they present her as having a yeah like I having a huge either. crush on him yeah every time you see her she's like oh, I feel so bad for her she's got the greatest voice I've ever heard where she's, she's adorable. like oh, I want to and I'm just like oh I love this yeah. especially since she's like she's a gorgon so like it's one of the most fearsome horrific monsters in all of Greek mythology and she's like um could you just do this thing I'm like, I love it. It takes so long because you have to talk to her a few times before she sticks around because normally she like runs away almost immediately, right? And it's not until she's like, I guess she's like, oh wow, you do want to talk to me. I guess I'll stay now. Um, and the other, on the flip side, another character that I don't love and like almost all of the characters I, I absolutely love, but the, the one that I don't is Achilles. Oh, um, really? But I love aspects of the way that he is presented because Achilles I've yet to see presented in in the way that I think is most interesting, which is the ancient Greek idea. Achilles is a child, and is no he one really? and no one ever represents this. That's the big like strife with the the character in the Iliad. Um, he is fifteen, maybe sixteen, like Brad Pitt. Yeah, exactly. Like you <laughs> always like see pet. Achilles as like this thirty-year-old wise person who's like, I, I know the the badness of of just following orders blindly. It's like no, he's a petulant, angry teenager who is suddenly gifted the ability to give anyone victory. So everyone has to give him like reverence. So what happens to a a fifteen-year-old kid when you can't be touched? you become monster a kind yeah. of monster yeah like a, an achilles so having him be this like oh lad i have learned the ways and i believe in you and like like that's that is to me one of the most boring portrayals of the achilles character i want to see a portrayal of of hate of um, achilles where he's a petulant dumb kid because that's so cool. That's such a cool concept. What I do love about Achilles, though, is that Patroclus is uh, outright his lover in this game. And that is yes. that is yep. taken right out of ancient Greek culture. That is how they understood that relationship. But for most of the like Western portrayals of Achilles and Patroclus, like he's some sort of friend, very good friend, or like he's a cousin. It's like, no, that's not what was going on. <laughs> yeah. like. Uh... 
that's the other thing with this game is that there's like some side quests where you can um you don't have to do them um but they unfold in a similar fashion right like every time you visit certain people if you choose to you'll advance their old little subplot like achilles and and patch patroclus 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 mm-hmm. yeah like you can basically reunite them there's the stuff with uh eurydice and and orpheus right mm-hmm. um like their whole story and like i said which is get... also a really cool like reimagining of that whole yeah. thing i remember loving eurydice's design in that oh, game so good I and, and the music that plays in her little realm is really good like her song uh because super giant has great soundtracks <laughs> you know they, they usually they they knock it out of park again with this one yeah um, so good yeah like they make interact like and that was one of the things that they wanted to emphasize and they managed to make a roguelike where failure was something you look forward to almost mm-hmm. because it meant that you got to go back to the to the palace or whatever and you get new story stuff or new conversations with people because they always change right you're like oh well I die. That's annoying. That damn bow Hydra. But let's go see what Achilles is doing. He's got something new to say. Or right. let's go see. Oh, Meg, the first boss. She's just hanging out here after I beat yes. her, and she's salty that I beat her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like telling me, like, "Oh, next time you face me, I'm gonna get you," <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it's really cool. Yeah, like they they make every like success feels great, but failure it doesn't feel like it at all because you're like, okay, well, let's see what's gonna happen next. And it just makes the game feel like such a complete uh, experience in that way that I, I, I think that it's going to be hard to play another roguelike, especially another story-driven roguelike that does not take any cues from this game. Mm-hmm. I don't Because mm-hmm. frankly, I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> I think this is, personally oh. for me, I think it's the bar for roguelikes going forward. And like, maybe I... It is, it is very jarring because I did just finish uh, reviewing uh loot river which is uh very much in the vein of a sort of tip more typical roguelite or roguelike um where you don't you get some pieces through the run but it's not really that intensity that hades has where it's telling you the story so every time you die it is very frustrating and you're not making progress and that is what Hades did so well and I have yet to see another game do that like sort of also uh things like I don't know Elden Ring which is not a roguelike but it does have that thing of like death is a part of of progression but dying is still frustrating in Elden Ring you know like you you do feel like that is a loss but you feel once you get over it once you've beat it you feel even more excited but like Hades had the structure in place where losing was progressing and that is so cool yeah and not that Hades can't be frustrating I mean Theseus and his stupid minotaur oh, buddy the worst the hardest but boss it feels so good when you see the people with your banner <laughs> yes like again they do even little things like that of like every time you fight him you'll notice the crowd has more and more signs in your favor of like, this guy keeps coming back. Like, and you say like, Oh wow, they, they hated me before, but I'm seeing more and more Zagreus signs here this time. <laughs> um, like that stuff is like, it's just so many great little touches. The stuff with uh, Cerberus is great. I'm excited to see you like work your way through it and see some of the stuff that we haven't touched yeah. on. There's still a lot of like smaller, like, or other side stories and like things that you unlock and conversations with the characters, John, that you can, mm-hmm. Right. There's something that I don't want to spoil for you, but I want to 
just mention. Yeah, go for it. Uh, there's a moment with uh, Cerberus that is a very kind of stereo stereotypical is not exactly right, but like very common thing to happen uh, where they set it up and you're like, oh my, no, you're not going to make. And then they totally turn that on its head. And um, that might be one of my favorite moments in all of this game because oh, yeah. they did not. I know what you're talking about. Yep. I, just mm-hmm. think I was like, what was it? I was like, what oh, was okay. that? I'm trying yeah. to be very vague so I don't give it away, but um, I that was maybe one of my favorite moments of this entire game is just the way that they played with that. Not just the expectations and of like Greek myth, but also expectations of the genre. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I guess as we start to wrap down here, I, I will say to your point, Jill, about other games like taking cues from Hades, you haven't seen it yet. I think, I mean, I think one, the game just hasn't been around long enough for people before we can start seeing the like inspirations bleed through into other mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, like I feel like now would be around the time or well, last year would be when people start making their game be like, oh, let's let's look at some things that Hades did for our thing. Yeah. So um, so like I I'm I mentioned before I'm reviewing Rogue Legacy 2 and it does have like some uh like progressive story stuff throughout each run but it's more in like uh in documents that you find and you learn about the the yeah. bosses that you're fighting and like little bits of the world are revealed there but i i find that what hades does is far more interesting and there's so much about the rogue legacy uh just kind of like text dumps that aren't interesting at like at all and like not engaging where like i'm gonna have to look back and like read through all of those just to figure out what the story was Instead of like being like, right. oh, I, I look forward to talking to this character again and finding out what's next in our relationship or with their relationship with someone else. Yeah, um, and I guess a lot of that too is Hades' voice and the performances are top notch. You know, Logan Cunningham killing it as Hades himself yeah, again. Uh, Dar- uh, Darren Korb uh, stepping up as Agrius. Yeah, I, did. Is... I was surprised. I did not know that, you know, because Darren Corb is a longtime composer of all their games. And yeah. again, one of my favorite people on Earth, just because I love Supergiant's soundtrack so much. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I did not know okay. that he voiced Zagreus. Yeah. And I, he also did a, oh man. He did Skelly. Skelly. Yeah. Skelly. Yeah. Also Every, a great character. Yeah, who doesn't love beating up on that? Hey, and hey, he boy, was... hey, boy, yo. Hey, boy, yo. So what? So what? That's my just skelly. <laughs> sounds like the skeleton cabbie from Halloween Town. Oh my yes, god! Uh, cool. What a pull! <laughs> what a deep cut! <laughs> Watch it once a year. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess like my I guess my last big thought is like I and this might be a bold prediction, but I think Hades has made such an impact. It was received so well. I really can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. But I could see this being that like genre defining game that i bet in the next like few years we do start to see more apparent the, the breath of like the breath of the wild, wild yeah see yeah. i wasn't trying to say it but you guys did. okay <laughs> we'll, we'll throw it out there we know how much you love it the breath of the wild of roguelites uh where uh-huh. you know we're, we'll start to see people maybe if not outright copy the way they told their story but like evolve it right of like oh yeah. that's a good idea let's let's start with that and then do our own thing um so yeah you know hopefully at least because i would love i would some if someone wants to make a better hades please do it uh <laughs> but that would be dare very you. yeah yeah double dog dare you cerberus dare you uh, <laughs> triple dog 
And yeah, I think that we've got ourselves an episode as well as, I guess, a season, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Wrap it up. You know, unless you guys have any final thoughts about Hades or Supergiant as a whole, you know, uh, you've kind of been somewhat like semi-discovering the studio a little bit, John. I know you haven't played all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Transistor and, and Pyre were kind of uh blank spots for me and i guess hades too um but i was a uh, huge into bastion um i i like seeing the dna in every game that that we've covered uh throughout the season and like seeing bits of bastion all the way into hades is is just really cool and like none none of these games are none of these games are are the same like at all <laughs> And uh, all of them are distinct, but they do have that super giant flavor to them. Um, and I'm I'm happy that they they kept that that same soul running through all of them. Like the, it, they are all very much super giant games. Um, right. And and it like there's there's very few studios that you can kind of say that about. Like this this is their their DNA that's in this. Um, and and being able to do it with four different styles of games in four different franchises, different characters, different all like all that, but like mm-hmm. also keeping like a tight knit studio um, and not having very much turnover, I think helps a lot uh, yeah. because they're they're like you you see the the lessons that they learn and it's it's a a cool it's a really cool uh, path to look to look upon. And and see where they were a decade ago and see where they're at now and and what was what's changed, what's stayed the same, um, what's worked, what hasn't. And seeing them also just be six, like pretty successful mm-hmm. uh, throughout that run, too, uh, is is uh, uplifting. Yeah, uh, and I'm you don't, thinking you don't too, see that often. Yeah. Um, and also the path forward as well and what what's in the future. And, and we talked a little bit about. You know, Marcus is obviously killing the entire studio so that they can't make another game, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but if they me. were to make another game, uh, what does that look like? You know, so many people jumped on board with Hades. Uh, indies are in a place now, you know, it, that's been steadily growing mainstream. So does that become the next game that everybody is excited to see? Does that have ramifications for the studio? Does um does that have ramifications for the game industry like uh Hades was so successful and it really was a big stepping stone for independent gaming and creating in general for just the average player to kind of realize that something was going down uh that these games are not just you know silly side projects or something like not not the real you know real Mm -hmm. gaming um so i'm very interested to see not only how the studio itself does but how it continues hopefully to change and influence the way that like gaming in general happens and that ties also into like are people going to start taking the Hades formula and and putting that into new games and and will we start seeing that in triple a games as well seeing as how successful this was uh so that there's a lot of really cool things to think about for the future yeah 
I think he, Amir summed it up at like, I think it was like literally the last scene of the, the last episode of the documentary when <clears throat> Danny asked him what's next for you. And he said, it's not about what's next for me. It's what, 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 what do we want to make? Not what I want to make. Cause that's what that studio is. And all studios are collaborative just by design, but they're something about them. Like they seem more like they're like, there's no singular vision from one person there. It's literally just like, what do we all want to make? Let's just cherry pick all the things that we like and then combine them into like a bowl and then see what happens. And that's pretty much how all their games came to be. I mean, Bastion, I mean, they made Bastion with the, the, mantra of like let's just make the ultimate game that has everything we ever liked in games and every good idea that we ever had let's dump it into this one game <laughs> like, <laughs> like treat it like we're never gonna get to make another game after this yeah. right <laughs> um and then they did and then everything since then it's like yeah let's just just what do you guys like i don't know let's just make that <laughs> and it could have been so easily okay so many people like this let's make the two let's make a three and deciding to go off and do a totally different idea and then a totally different idea after that and a totally different idea after that it's just wild yeah especially because they've had a i think it's safe to say that they haven't missed at all yet no uh, which is no, not at all impressive for any studio to have like such a sterling reputation and you know they mentioned that too like yeah we've been fortunate to have released games that everyone seems to really like uh so it, it does make it it's amazing that that studio seems to be as humble as it is, given the incredible amount of success that they have and that they, and like you said, that they, I'm excited to see them change and go forward, but at the same time, I don't want to see them change as much. Like, I'm going to be sad if there's ever a story of one of those original seven leaving for whatever or, reason. Or like a, a buyout or something. Like, some, some. Embracer group comes in. Oh, and... oh they're oh. getting embraced. No. <laughs> But yeah, or like a Microsoft, right? Like, there's no way that any studio or any publisher that knows better has not looked at them and been like, that'd be pretty cool to have yeah, a super good. Mm -hmm. uh, We could have a Hades. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, I, I hope that uh, that's the selfish part of me, right? I want them to keep yeah. growing. Yeah, I mean, it's just the part right. that's like, I hope you guys stay exactly the same and just keep <laughs> pumping out good Just keep good being stuff. happy doing what you're doing. Yeah, but until the time where they've, done something to not earn it they they have that level of trust where i'm like if i hear super giant is coming out with a game i'm in i don't need to hear about much else like oh yeah I'm like just say super giant's out. fifth game like okay i'm buying it yeah. <laughs> like, you can literally release it i don't yeah. even know what it is and I'm there have play. been studios where i thought that and then you know unfortunately they did trip and i've uh, lost that so i don't want to put super giant on this pedestal of like can do no wrong ever uh, and I'm always cautious about that, but at this point, they've they've kept that trust, and I hope that that continues to go forward. Yeah, I say at the very least, they've earned like again that that attention from us, right? Like you you had my curiosity with Bastion, and then after it, you guys have forever earned my attention and have yeah. continued to have held it in a stranglehold every time you release something. <laughs> and I'm like, this is really good. Uh, so yeah, you know, keep on trucking over there. You folks are super giant. If any of you are listening, uh, first and foremost, thank you. Um, just apologize for all the mean things we said. Yeah, we're um, sorry that Marcus is cut, shutting you. Cut all of you down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was the one that broke into the studio. Um, that was my first, oh no! Hey, whoa, was, wow. whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, that was my first attempt. <laughs> Florida man breaks into California <laughs> game studio. That's you know, it's what we do down here. All kinds of just weird, dumb things. 
So yes, we are now closing the book on season five in Supergiant, and we are moving on to season six. So here it is, the topic of season six. Actually, John, do you want to announce it? Do you, should I announce it? Should I say a, a cool catchphrase? I do a drum roll. People Can might hear recognize. It? Yeah, go. Yeah, go for it. Oh man, this is perfect because this is the quintessential like. I don't think anything describes a series better than what I'm about to do in terms of like, it sounds, it's always cooler when this series does it, but when real people do it, it's lame. Um, <clears throat> let's rock, baby. Uh, Guilty Gear? Yes, the Guilty Gear. No. <laughs> uh, rock band? No. Uh, wow. You both. <laughs> okay. You know what? We are doing Devil May Cry. The, yeah. Uh, Capcom's number one third person action series pro or maybe, maybe? i guess that I mean, might Resident, be monster Resident hunter Evil. i guess that's survival horror that's different <laughs> it would be monster hunters their their number one it's an but... it's number one the, the 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 number one third person action series starring a white haired demon hunter with a big sword yeah that works I, I like it nothing tops it devil may cry ladies and gentlemen is season six what does that mean? That means we're going to have episodes on Devil May Cry 1, 2, 3, colon, Dante's Awakening, 4, DMC Devil May Cry by Ninja Theory, and the most recent release, Devil May Cry 5. Yes, we are kicking off. Tune in next episode where we're going to talk about Devil May Cry 1 with none other than Joe Juba, mm -hmm. our old wow. buddy from Game Informer. He's technically my old boss. Uh, coming back, making a big return to uh, gush about Devil May Cry. He's a big fan of the series. I think he's reviewed maybe all of them at Game Informer oh, wow. or most of them. Uh, quite a few of them. So yeah, I'm excited to get his insight on the first game. Uh, should be fun. John, are you? What do you? Are you a Devil May Cry person? I like Devil May Cry. I like it a lot. Um, I never played five, but I played all the other ones. So um... I think you'll play five before we get to five. I mean, I said I was going to play through all of Hades by the time that we got to this episode, and I got 20 minutes in, so uh, never say never, uh, but I think it's on, it's on Game Pass or something, right? Like Something like that. Oh, oh, you know what? I'll, I mean, I will purchase it or get it downloaded, and we'll, we'll see what shakes out, but um, yeah, Devil Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Devil May Cry has a really cool backstory to it, and, and, and its development, so... Um, at least for the first one, and then going forward, it's 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 gonna be a wild ride. Uh, two, two's notorious, anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to to talking Devil May Cry with with you and Joe and whoever our other guests will end up being. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. That's right. So tune in next uh, episode for that. Otherwise, let's take this home. Social plugs. You can find me on Twitter at MarcusStewart7. That's the number seven. Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter at John underscore Carson. And you can find me on Twitter um, at, at Finrun, F-I-N-R-U-I-N. Yes, and email the show, podcast.gameinformer.com. Put video gameography in the subject line so we know it's for you. Let us know if you have any uh, feedback, questions, concerns, all that good stuff, corrections, in case we blew it somewhere along the way. Uh, and also shout out to the Game Informer Discord, our video gameography channel. All you fine folks over there that are always nice with your kind words and, and feedback. We, we appreciate you. We're doing a heart right now. It's mm -hmm. for you. Doing We're it. all doing a heart. We're all I'm doing it. I'm like, we really are. Heart. I'm sorry you can't see it. 
Yeah, it's it looks great. It looks just like a real thing. <laughs> Mine was more of a, like an accurate human heart. Don't ask me how mm. I made my fingers. He pulled his like heart out of his chest. It was impressive. That's how much I love you guys. <laughs> how much, that's how much he wants to do Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and until next time, guys, keep on trucking. Go play a super giant game or four. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.